Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek. What up, Movie Geek fans and friends and listeners with questionable time management skills and are probably procrastinating and listening to us? Hi, I'm Chrissy McQueen. Justin, want to say hi? Hello. That's Justin Winters. He's the movie geek. He's also my husband. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and can I just tell you, I'm really happy about these movies this week, if for no other reason, because we went to a theater. Or a theater, as I like to say. No, but see, I have to take you to task on that. I feel like theater should be uh, saved for live theater. Whereas the cinema is theater. I was kidding, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I have to take you to task for that. That is a subject I'm very, very uh, passionate about. In jest? Come on, it was just in jest. Okay. But we did do a double feature, um, old school style too, where you buy the ticket for one movie and then you sneak into the other movie. What? <laughs> We're bad people. I didn't do that. Oh uh-huh, yeah, talk sure you didn't. Okay. We saw Source Code and Insidious. And can I just tell you that I think that I have some sort of allergy attack going on in my body for the past two days because when I said Insidious, I felt my nose vibrate and I thought it was going to sneeze. Yeah. I got some Insidious snot going on right now. You do. Me me too. I know. You're saying Insidious. Does it do it to your nose? Insidious. Oh. Oh. My nose is Insidious. I know. Okay. I'm going to wipe my insidious nose off my insidious face. Okay, but we're going to do Source Code first. Source Code, if you don't know, is that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal wherein he is basically forced to relive eight minutes of the end of somebody else's life in an effort to uh, thwart a terrorist or a terroristic attack. Yes. Terroristic attack? I made up a word. Sure. There you go. So that's the synopsis. I don't want to give too much away because I do suggest you see it. But, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal. Let's talk about him for a second. Let's do. <laughs> Let's do. Okay. I thought you were going to finish that sentence with something else. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. How do I put this? I like Jake Gyllenhaal most things that he does. Okay. I don't know how I felt about him in this role. You you don't know how you felt about him? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, wasn't that um, compelling, you guys? But Justin, what did you think about Jake Gyllenhaal? Um, I thought he was great in this. I liked the movie a lot. Oh, a lot? Yes, a lot. Well, that's not what you told the guy when we left the theater who said... Hey guys, what did you think of this movie? And you were like, what? And he said, what did you think of this movie? And you were like, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> well, that's because he, he had been in the same movie as us. It's like he wanted to co-opt my my opinion of the movie. Like, I, I haven't even walked outside the theater. And he's like, hey man, what do you think of that? <laughs> and I thought, he, I thought he was like, 
maybe he worked on the movie. And if I said it was bad, he was like, I worked on this movie. I think that he was secretly a So I Married a Movie Geek fan. And he recognized your voice from a laugh. <laughs> In the middle of the movie, and, and he was like, ha oh, oh, that's the movie geek guy. I'm going to ask him what he thought when he walks out of the theatra. That, that is a problem, um, because this <laughs> theater we went to um, was populated, especially Insidious, with a bunch of 12-year-olds. Oh, my God. They it were was, 12 going on 11, too. It's <laughs> like they had like, spread like a virus. Throughout the movie, like, they're popping up in every part of the theater, pretty much. They like to run around on the sides and basically yell at inopportune moments and use their uh, iPhones, like, flashlights. And then they would shush each other and giggle and do the whole process all over again. But back to source code. Back to source code. The reasons I like source code were, A. Bullet point one. Bullet point one. That's pretty much a takeoff, um... Of one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Quantum Leap. Which I never saw. Yeah. This, he was pretty much Quantum Leaping throughout this movie. Number two, or bullet point two, it was very um, Hitchcockian in ways. Like the whole first, like the first uh, um, the opening to the movie. Yeah. With like the long shots over Chicago. Mm-hmm. With a score, and it's like, duh, 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 duh. and you're like, yes, it's Hitchcock, um, and like the just the whole um, plot device of the movie is kind of like a, a Twilight Zone episode. That I agree with. Your third point is my favorite bullet point because it is very Twilight Zone esque. Yes, but the good kind, like the Rod Sterling kind, not the kind that made a resurgence in the '90s. That was the bad kind. I didn't. I, I wasn't part of that kind. Yeah, you weren't missing anything. Okay. Um, and it used the same sort of tactics of, here is the story that we are telling you. Here are the characters in the story. Now let's turn it upside down or say, look, there's another secret door you didn't know about. And it changes the entire thing. Yes. Yes. It's very secret door. <laughs> it is very secret door. <laughs> but you know, here's what I didn't like. Okay. In general, if not always, I really adore movies that have kind of a high-flown concept to them, especially when it involves technology or yes. futuristic themes. Futuristic. And... Yes. Why are you just, like, echoing me? Smy Jim or something? No, keep going. Okay. I have an aside after this. And I was, I was frustrated. I was very what up with that for a second. I was like, futuristic. <laughs> you were totally echoing me like an assistant teacher at my gym. No, I said what up with that from uh, Saturday Night Live. Remember he's oh. like, he oh, yeah, 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 in yeah. The okay. What up with that? Back to what you didn't like. Oh, I don't like that they didn't thoroughly, or they tried to, but they failed in thoroughly explaining how source code, i.e. the mechanism by which Jake Gyllenhaal is able to relive the eight minutes of somebody else's life, uh, works. Hey, quantum physics. That's all you got to drop is quantum physics. And then, and then he said like, calculus. No, quantum physics. And you're like, oh, okay. I totally understand how it works. Cricket. No, don't Cricket. you understand how, or don't you realize how many times in movies they're like trying to uh, explain this highfalutin like time travel concept? You're like, oh, it works by quantum physics, or that's it. That's all you have to explain. No, but that bothers me because certain movies, I feel like they don't do that. That I actually, even though I am obviously, quite obviously, a layman, I feel like I get a good grasp on how the technology works and why it works and why they need it. Well, this movie inherent in the concept is. 
um, throughout the movie, the the people that are kind of control like controlling what's going on with Jake Gyllenhaal, they think that source code source code works one way, and in the conclusion, they end up finding out that it it works totally different than how they thought it would, which is one of the problems I had. But we'll talk about that like in the spoiler section. Okay, but and, and this won't be spoilerific, but there is a scene where Jake Gyllenhaal is talking to uh, Vera Farmiga via like a webcam and he's he looks like he's in a pod basically and space pod yeah and the power totally goes out he doesn't really know where he is we as the audience don't really know where he is but wherever he is in this pod he's lost power and everything is freezing like he's developed ice on his facial hair he you know you could see his breath he's shaking yeah and he manipulates something within the pod um, wiring-wise to get the power to come back on. Uh-huh. I don't want to give away what happens as far as uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's location. Uh-huh. But if you've seen the movie, didn't you then afterward wonder, what, what was that whole sequence with, like, them losing power and he didn't, it was cold and everybody freaked out about See, it? See, that's... You've read way too into it. It really bothers me. It was it's a sci-fi movie, and you, yeah, you find out it's all a construct. But yeah, uh, I can understand. This is one of those where <laughs> you you you're like trying to like get it because you know at the beginning Jake Gyllenhaal wakes up. He doesn't know what's going on. No, he's in this situation, sitting across a train from this woman, Michelle Monaghan, by the way. Ha 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 ha! Yes, she's good. Oh, on the train. Yeah. She, yeah. She's actually really good in this, and she had a, a very difficult part because she had to play a same scene, like, a tinge differently each time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's really great. She's but too. back to, uh, what were we talking about? The mechanisms of how things work. Jake Gyllenhaal. I was mentioning about the cold thing and how it pissed me off, and you were like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it's one of those movies where you're like, you're, you're halfway during the movie, you're like, Man, I'm really out thinking this. Like, I'm totally outside the movie. Like, how did that happen? I thought I had this, the scientific, you know, method that he's <laughs> following right down pat. I've done the calculus here in my little notebook, and it just doesn't add up. And that's that's what I'm saying. They spin it so you're just like, okay, let me just go with it. This seems cool. Luckily, the the director that's in charge is he was he's very good at, um, you know. Smoke, smoke and mirrors. Smoke and you're mirrors. You're right, you're right. But I have a hard time with smoke and mirrors, no matter what the movie is. I really like a- attention to detail, and I like it to be... I, I don't mean spelled out for me like I'm a dumb you know, person or a child, where you, let me tell you how this works. But things like that, where then afterward, after you've had the big reveal, I hate and then thinking back and being like, well, then what was all that about? What was that for? That was stupid. Why? Why smoke and mirrors? Why? What you know? The biggest one of the biggest problems I had in the movie was what? Okay, so he's on this train, or he's he's quantum leaped into this guy's body. You know, eight minutes before it's supposed to explode. Maybe in that tense, it would be quantum leapt. Quantum leapt. Yeah, but that's not the name of my show. It's quantum leaped. No, it's quantum leap. Anyway, he's on this train. <laughs> he's got you know eight minutes. He's got several different attempts at it. He didn't notice that there's a Dunkin' Donuts on that train. I would have been like taking like at least six minutes to you know down some Dunkin' Donuts. There was a, there was a Dunkin' Donuts on that train. What are you talking about? Yes, I know that they all had the cups, but what do you think? I mean there was a 
It was like a like um towards the front of the train they had a, like a little Dunkin' Donuts kiosk thing where you could get you a Dunkin' Donut and some coffee. Shut up. That's where that woman that was spilling coffee all over the place was doing. That's well, where she, she I know from, that she had it. She came from Dunkin' Donuts. That's one big product placement during the movie that I was like, whoa, I would have been using some time to get some Dunkin' Donuts. Well, Michelle McMonaghan, too, she sat down and she had like the big DD bag and put it down next to her. That and the whole, the bing thing in the middle. You're like, bing. Oh, I saw that and that pissed me off. I was like, whatever, bing. Why you gotta be product placement? You think you're dead? Bing. Check it out. (laughs) (laughs) If you've seen the movie, you know what Justin is talking about. Um, I will say, I found this to be interesting, though, that took... Jake Gyllenhaal's character so many repeats of doing the eight minutes over and over again to finally like grab somebody's phone and Google what's going on to get the information that he needed. I don't want to be um, too precise here and tell you what he was Googling, but he's thrown for a loop for a good, good half an hour of the movie and it takes him, what, it must have been like the dozen, dozen (laughs) time or turn that he got to relive this guy's life and he's like, oh, how about I get a phone and start Googling this stuff? Really? Really? <laughs> you know, that's the type of user that uses Bing, you guys. The people that don't know that you could probably Google something, A, first of all, not Bing it, and B, do it much, much sooner than when you finally get to it. Exactly. Yes. He was also the kind of guy who just falls in love really quickly because... Yeah! <laughs> you have really pretty eyes. Show him on a hand, you know... All she had to do was say the same thing for the, you know, pretty much most of the movie. And he's like, I took your advice. I, I want to save, I want to save your life in whatever reality it may be. I want to save your life. You know what I'm going to do, Justin? Next time that you're mad at me, as opposed to apologize and, you know, try to work things out or plead my case, I'm just going to start repeating like the same line over and over again at random intervals and try to look really pretty while doing it. And uh, then you'll fall in love with no, me and forget about it. No, I'll know that there's a glitch in the source code and I will... I will counteract that with, like, I will say the same thing, and then it will be just the same. <laughs> Puppet, you know, people are just going to have repeating the people, same thing over and over And then somebody will walk by and be like, what's wrong with that couple? They're in the source code. <laughs> Is that you in the source code? <laughs> yes. Wait, I'm sorry. Can you do that one more time, please? That's the thing. Could you explain the source code to, in layman's terms to, like, a... Seven-year-old, like I can try. Do you want me to try? Go. Okay. All right, boys and girls. Today we're going to talk about source code. Wait, why are you counting? I said thirty seconds. Oh, come on! I'm explaining to a seven-year-old any longer than thirty no, seconds. No, that's the whole thing. It's it's not an easy thing to explain. Okay, well, moving on. Source code <laughs> is it? Do they understand the word entity? Can I say entity? Is a structure wherein we can plug your brain into someone else's brain. But the person that you're going to plug into, they don't have to be alive. They could be recently perished. But you know how, like, if you turn off a light bulb, there's an afterglow? They still have some life around them, even after they look like they're dead. So by plugging into their brain, you can experience the last thing that they experienced before they died. You kind of get to relive it. You don't get to really change the facts, but you get to relive it. The way they lived it. But it's you. (laughs) It's like virtual reality. Okay. In someone else's brain who is dead. (laughs) Wow. That's source code pretty much. Come on. Did I miss anything? Did I? 
I don't know. It depends on how you uh, how you uh, think the end of the movie, like what happened within the movie. That's true. But taking the ending out of the equation for a second, that's a pretty solid explanation of how source code is supposed to work. I don't know. I've only seen source code once, and I don't know if I'm entirely 100% sure how, like I said, it changed throughout the movie. Like the the people, Vera Far- Farmesia and Jeffrey Wright, the, the black guy with the glasses, they're like, they're supposed to be, you know, on it on terms of what source code is and the experts, and they didn't even really know how it works. Obviously, because, because of the ending, but, uh... That's true. So... Can I tell you something about Vera Farmesia? What? I have to tell you, if I were stuck in a pod, I would want to be looking at her the whole time, because she's got beautiful eyes. <laughs> okay. I don't mean it like a, ooh, girl crush her way, because I don't have a girl crush on her. But she's got, like, these very open, honest, sort of inviting eyes, where, like, you want to share information with her, and you want her to be the one to tell you good news or bad news. I don't know, but she was kind of hazing him throughout the movie. Well, yeah, she's in the military. That's what they do. Uh, so, so yeah, so what do you think of the fact, the, the, the moral overtones of the fact of using a guy's psyche or whatever to combat terrorism? Well, I... <laughs> like, you, you know, thanks for serving your country, and now we're going to use, you know, your brain and your, your afterglow, too. I think that depends. If they've signed off on it, and, you know, much like you can sign a DNR if you don't want to be resuscitated... Or, like, you can be an organ donor if you get in a car accident. Do not source code? Yeah, no, I'm serious. If they came up with something where you could either apply and be like, hey, when I die, I want you to be able to use me in the source code if it helps. Or, you know, like like a donor for, you know, your driver's license. Or, say, I want a (laughs) D-N-S-C, where they do not source code you. Halfway through the movie, I was imagining a source code world combined with the Adjustment Bureau. <laughs> and how, how did that work out for you? <laughs> it would be really confusing. <laughs> how about you throw Inception in there? Like, wait a minute. Am I, am I in the source code or, or have I just been adjusted? Where's my top? I want to spin my top. <laughs> Dude, that would be an interesting movie. Okay, we might have to come up with some sort of short synopsis of how we would combine those three movies and act it out on the next podcast as, like, a special. That sounds really complicated. Yeah, we'll come up with it in our spare time. Because we have so much. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, we laugh. (laughs) I'm catching some shut-eye right now. I'm not really awake. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. I have time to sleep. So now you're narcoleptic? No, no. All right. Let's move on to the other movie. Before, Oh, before we do, we have to give this one a grade. Are we going to talk about the end of the movies at the end? We could. Okay. Okay. Source code gets a grade of? Um, I would give it a grade of like a B plus. I liked it a lot. I would also give it a B plus. Stop copying me. Stop copying me. No. no! Drop coffee on my Drop feet. Drop coffee on my feet. <laughs> That's the thing. That woman was dropping coffee all over the place. She even dropped it off the second level towards the end of the movie. I'm like... In freeze frame. I know, in freeze frame. I'm right? Like, what? I felt for her. I do that sort of thing. 
before we even talk about the end of the movie, we'll we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. But Source Code had like four different endings, and I was kind of put you off mean, like, by that. False endings. Kind of, you're like, oh, that's that would be a great end to this movie. Is it just keeps on going? And yeah, I think the the last last ending, I was like, okay, maybe we could have done without that ending, but we'll get to that. I'm not good with false endings either. Okay, moving on to Insidious. I like the score in this movie. It's like when the 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 title card comes up, it's like Insidious, and you looked at me, you're like. What did I do? What did but, I, no, okay. Why did I go to this movie with Can you? Can I just tell you that the imitation that you did of the music, apparently, I'm using music with air quotes, by the way, was almost exactly how I introduced Die Hard on our podcast whenever we did that one. Die Hard! With a vengeance! There wasn't a score like that in Die Hard. There was actually a score like this in Insidious. Oh, Insidious. All right, let me just tell you something. I am generally not scared by horror movies. I prefer not to see horror movies. Well, wait, I'm getting there. Um, I prefer not to see them in general, though, just because I don't like guts splattering everywhere and torture and all that sort of thing. It's just not my bag, baby. That being said... The the Austin Powers? (laughs) He came in. He he source-coded my body for a second. Oh, God, that would be such a great verb to source code Shine somebody. baby, yeah. <laughs> In the city. Was... Oh, no, this means this is the last eight minutes of my life. <laughs> oh, no. Make it count. Let's talk about Insidious. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to do with the last eight minutes of my life. Dude, before you get to it? Yeah. Okay, get to it. Okay. Baby. Shagadelic, baby. <laughs> yes, horror is not my bag, baby, but... But thrillers, I really like psychological thrillers. Thriller. I, <laughs> no, thank you. What is that? You weren't even doing thriller like the Michael Jackson dance. You were doing like John Travolta Saturday Night Fever. What was that? I was I was just source coded by <laughs> by John Travolta. By John Travolta for a second. <laughs> he didn't understand Michael Jackson. He quantum leapt into my body. <laughs> okay, so thrillers, I'm, I'm down with. Um, this ran. A fine line of being, you know, part psychological thriller and part, um, there's a, I feel like there's a third genre, not horror, but like. Haunted house movie? No, I was going to go with otherworldly, but yes. Paranormal? Yeah. Activity? No, I I was trying not to bring that up, even though I know it's by the same people, but still. Insidious wanted to be a poltergeist for whatever generation we're in now. I don't know. What generation is this? We were a part, you were a part of X for sure, and I was borderline XY. This is, uh, are we going back around? Are we in generation B? <laughs> <laughs> or we know Z. Are we in Z? Maybe it's Z now. I don't know. And we're not that old, but now they've gone through like four more letters. <laughs> back in my day, we were at the end of the alphabet for the generation. <laughs> we were born in the last century. Okay, ADD focus. On to Insidious. Um, one of the movies that has scared me most over the course of my entire life uh-huh. is Rosemary's Baby. Yes. Um, I think most people know the concept here, but the idea is that Rosemary is impregnated by Lucifer and unknowingly and unwittingly um, gives birth to the devil's child. And it turns out her husband in real life was in on it 
and essentially kind of like sold the rights to Rosemary to the devil in exchange for success. Uh-huh. And at the end, because she is so determined to take care of her child, she ends up mothering the devil child. That's what happened in Rosemary's Baby? I know. What? Shocking. Okay. Shocking, baby. Yeah. (laughs) And right away when this whole thing started taking shape, you know, the plot uh, and um, how the characters were were relating to each other and what they were saying as far as what could be causing... Um, these bad things that I don't want to go into just yet, but bad things were happening to them and what could be causing them. I immediately thought of Rosemary's baby and I was like, Oh no, this is going to scare me like that one did. And then it failed. I don't know, man. There's a, I don't know if I would say that this movie scared me, but it's definitely got some spooky, uh, spooky things going on. I agree. Um, I don't know. It's it's just one of my favorite movies, like favorite types of movies to see in the theater. It's a haunted house movie. People are always, you know, jumping up in front of the screen and like, ah, ah you know, appearing behind you know windows and things are moving. And there's this one ghost in this movie that looks like an old grandma with like a a cross between a veil and like a Thomas a, a Donald Trump. Like, haircut thing going on? No, it's like Edwardian Times Funeral. I don't know. But it's in the beginning of the movie, and then, uh, yeah, she comes back towards the end. She, yeah. She scared you? She scared me. (laughs) Did she really? On the inside. You know, you mentioned, like, the big, bah, moments. Yeah. Generally, I'm not scared of those. I forgot, and I think maybe I just, you know, pushed it out of my brain. But I had one in this movie, and I remember, like, jumping a little bit, and I screamed, and I don't remember what it was now. Do you remember when I did that? I was like, ah! You did that several times. No, I did that once, though, like, where, like, I looked at you, and I was like, I want to leave. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Was and it we the, can't remember. Was it, was it the window shot? I have Alzheimer's. What are you talking about? What window shot? It's like, uh, like a third of the way through the film where... The camera's, like, painting, and there's somebody, like, outside of a oh, window on the second been. floor. Anyway. Um, and all, oh, that's right. And then all of a sudden, he was inside and, like, trying to grab her in bed. I don't know. I really like this movie. You're right. I think I'm, I'm in my intro, I wasn't giving it a fair shake. Because the more we're talking about it, the more I'm remembering things like that and going, oh, that's right. That's true. That did happen, and it did scare me. And that's what this movie was supposed to do. So... It's it's also it's also it's also a haunted house movie that changes houses. You don't get that a lot. Well, that's true. Because <laughs> and and they say that the reason this happened is because the haunting isn't of the house; it's of the family. And they even had the whole sick kid thing going, where you feel sorry for the kid, but you're like, is the kid good? Maybe the kid is secretly bad, and if so, how did the kid get bad? The saddest mom mom in the world, like. Okay, well th- there you go, and I here's. <laughs> Let's, she, she, she like goes to her piano she's like I wrote a really sad song that's gonna tell my plot situation yeah that's pretty much that's what she does we need to the talk about the saddest song dun, dun, dun. you're like oh she wanted to be Fiona Apple and she like failed Fiona Apple she failed no she wanted to be she failed super depressing Fiona Apple like like again she's like Sarah McLaughlin 
My kid fell down and he bumped his head, but he's not... What? We actually have to spend, though, a couple of minutes of talking about her character. Because I think that's why I made my snap judgment of, meh, about the overall, you know, uh, aspects of this movie. She bothered me. She bothered me. Why? I normally like Rose, uh, the actress. Rose Byrne. Yeah. Yeah. She was just so... She was such a sad sack. Well, she had a lot on her plate, man. She, she was had, a sad sack before things went awry. She had three kids. One of them who was in, like, a coma mm-hmm. after half the movie. One baby that never stopped crying. I mean, like, oh, ghosts everywhere. I guess I'd be crying too, baby. But... And then a, a husband that was largely unavailable. We'll get yeah. to that later. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, it's not like at the beginning of the movie, everybody was happy, and, you know, throughout the movie, they got unhappy. She was kind of unhappy at the beginning of the movie. That's what I was just saying. And it was kind of insinuated that, like, when they moved, they're like, let's not have, you know, it keep going on. Yeah, this is why we moved in the first place. Yeah, so you're like, whoa, what happened in the beginning before this? I feel like she must have had postpartum or something like it. Yeah. Because I, for her... I think mommyhood wasn't all it cracked up to be. Yeah. Not that I blame her in one fashion because she had a lot on her plate. Yes. And, and her husband was very much unavailable. He was the primary breadwinner. She's a stay at home mom. And she apparently used to be, or at least she thought she was once a talented songwriter and singer. And I think she felt she gave that up. So, so she could be a mom. And I don't know if she resented her kids at all, but she certainly wasn't happy about it. Now, I want to talk about Patrick Wilson, but it's kind of hard to talk about him without explaining some of the plot points. So... Well, do you want to hint at me what you want to explain? I'll try to do it. How I feel about him as a character. About his turn? Yeah. Or about him in general? Well, it's foreshadowed like throughout the movie, his turn and what's, what's really going on with him. And I, it's just, what happens towards the end with him, I just think that I find is really, really funny. And I can't really talk about it without spoiling, like, a big part of the movie. So that's why I'm going to wait. You're talking about the very end, right? Um, just the whole thing with him and pictures and his mom and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're getting at. <laughs> but but I, I do want to say that one of the, the parts I liked about this movie the most was it's really kooky in parts. First of all, we talked about the mom and her, like, really sad songs. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a point, like, way at the beginning of the movie, where they just move in, and the kid wakes up, and the mom is already, like, chilling. I think she's, like, chilling in, like, the, the kitchen or oh, something. Oh, yes! And they have the same pajamas on. <laughs> like, like full-body pajamas. Like, the mom and this, like, eight-year-old kid. I was an eight-year-old kid at one time, and I definitely would have been caught dead in the same pajamas as my mom. I just thought it was hilarious that they wore the exact same print and same, like, fleece. I'm like, are they, did they just come in from their JCPenney shoot? I was waiting for the other, the other kid and, like, the baby to, like, waddle down, and they're all in the same pajamas. Like, these are our, you know, anti-ghost pajamas. Let's get a fresh start, kids. Let me, let me, I got another song for you. Mom's really depressed, (laughs) isn't she? (laughs) 
but she loves wearing the same pajamas as a kid. Because they have monkeys, and monkeys are nice and casual. Okay. Um, <laughs> casual. Also, Kooky was the um, paranormal investigators from this movie. Yeah. Who definitely had a poltergeist feel to them, um, with like the the analog ghost equipment, like the the viewmaster for the, the ghost. The viewmaster was cracking me up. They're like, now I see the ghost in green. Now I see it in pink. They're like, this measures, you know, balances and imbalances of UV light. I'm like, it's a viewmaster from 1989. I know exactly what that is. I had one. It was orange. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, you know what's funny? I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, Patrick's character in the movie is a teacher. And oh, I noticed. Oh, you saw the detention list. No, I saw him staying late to... Grade not, papers. <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> Family's in crisis. And fall he's asleep like, at, has at his stay. desk. Yeah. But, and, I, and I know a lot of teachers, by the way. I understand you got to do some, you know, grading of papers, stuff like that. Guess what? You can take them home. You don't have to stay at the school to do them at 11 o'clock at night. Well, that's the thing. There's, there's a little bit more to the story. No, yeah. He was hiding from himself. A little bit. How did he, how did they get all this money for this pretty nice house? Even though it was very scary and looked like it had an evil face when he faced it. it. You know what's funny about both of the houses? It's, well, the first house, I was like, well, no wonder she's depressed. The, the lighting sucks. And it's so uncheery and cheerful and it just makes you want to be depressed and write sad songs for the piano. But in the next house, I thought, oh, good, they're going to move into a nicer place. It's going to be better. And that house wasn't cheery either. And I was like, are they, like, anti-cheeriness? What about painting the wall a nice rose color or, like, getting some recessed lighting? That would help. This home will be perfect for ghosts to jump at my face. <laughs> you right? It's depressing and has dark wood. But, um, <laughs> well, because it's always like that, like, that 70s dark wood look. Um... Oh, yeah, the, the blackboard in uh, his classroom had a detention list, and the director's name was on it. Not only that, it had the um, the director of this and the writer of this, they were responsible for starting the Saw franchise. Yeah. Um, the, the, the writer of this actually was one of the paranormal investigators, the guy with the glasses. And they drew something about Saw on the on the chalkboard, no, the, too. Yeah, it had, like, the clown face. Yeah. And, like, one of those stupid 12-year-olds in the audience is like, oh, when he saw it. <laughs> it was very unnecessary. There were a lot of a very unnecessary, um, you know, side things with the But there was also a lot of, like, people getting scared. Like, one person actually, like, left the theater. I don't know if they came back. Really? But they were kind of freaked out um, halfway through... Um, I think it was during one of my favorite scenes of the movie because, again, it was also kind of kooky, but it was funny the way they did it was the um, seance scene because they took the um, the Zelda Rubin scene for this movie is played by Lin Che, who played the really tan woman in There's Something About Mary. She's very good in this. It's like the crazy. She's excellent as like the, she looks like she could be your grandmother and she's. Very well-spoken and very polite, but boy, does she know her psychic stuff. But her way to um, speak with the, uh, you know, whatever these ghosts or things are, is to use, like, a gas mask <laughs> with, like, a long tube. She and looks like, like an elephant going to war. <laughs> and, and I was like, that's that's pretty weird looking. It's No, it's scary. It serves its purpose. It's like it adds an extra element of creepy. Yeah. It was totally creepy to hear her, like whispering into it and she even said you're not going to hear anything I can say because this is only hooked up to like my kooky assistant's ears and he's going to 
like tell you. And then the kooky assistant was, you know, using a coal crayon as opposed to a pencil or a pen. Yeah, I was like, I was like, Ghost, could you could you slow down? Could you slow down, Ghost? Like you're going too fast. And he's like writing, and you're gonna have to forgive my language on here. I'm just quoting the movie. He was like. You whore, you whore, die, you whore. And he's writing it in cold pencil. And, I, and the whole time, he's actually, like, repeating everything he says, too. So he would just say it over and over again. Like, you whore, you whore. And I'm like, oh, is he possessed, too? What's going on? It's a booming industry, uh, ghost stenography. Um, <laughs> once you're in, you know, this, the sky's the limit for the careers. It can open up to you. Um, that, that's awesome. I like that. I would like to have a certificate in ghost stenography. <laughs> Do they offer that can, at College of the Canyons? You can pretty much write anything, and, I mean, who's going to call you out on it? The ghost? <laughs> no. <laughs> People don't know. You can write anything you want. You, know? you whore, you whore, you whore. <laughs> Whatever. I like the way you say whore. That would be awesome if the ghost, like, appeared and like, that is not what I said. <laughs> I call shenanigans on you. All right. That is not what I said. Ghost shenanigans. Well, it's right up there with psychics. I mean, like, psychics can really make up whatever they want. It's up to you as the subject to decide whether or not you believe them. Did, did this movie remind you of a Poltergeist in any In way? parts. It reminded me of Ghostbusters a little bit, too, once it got kooky. Yeah, they, they definitely had a Ghostbuster feel to them. And, uh, you know, the, the more, not to quote the movie here, but the more insidious parts reminded me of uh, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Rosemary's Alright, let's go into spoilers. 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 Okay. What are you talking about? Oh, I feel like I should tell you now, dear listeners. We're gonna spoil first uh Insidious and then the other one that we saw that I was called a blue moon, but that has nothing to do with anything. That reminds me of how uh, Insidious just totally uh, ruined uh, Tiptoe Through the Tulips by Tiny Tim for me. Like, that that song was already really creepy and strange, but... Oh, is that the song? Yes. Because I've never heard it before, and... This movie had a very, like, weird... uh, I I thought of Jeepers Creepers every time they brought out the guy with, like, the... He was like at the the loom, or what was he doing? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember if I ever saw Jeepers Creepers. Oh yeah, you did. I did. With Justin Long, remember the the? Never mind. No. Okay. 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 So you're talking about Insidious? Yes. Oh, and I was saying that we're also going to give spoilers for not Blue Moon, but Source Code. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After, so if you don't want to be spoiled, then by all means, uh, peace out. Yeah. Yeah. But these are. Two of the best movies I've seen in the theater this year, so I think they're worth both... Spoiling? No, seeing in the theater. Oh, yeah. So well, see them. Yes. Don't listen to us. <laughs> what would you give Insidious before you start talking about the end? B. A B? Yeah. Solid B. Okay. Well, what are you going to go with? Maybe a B plus. You know, it's very rare that you give a lower... or I'm sorry, a higher grade than I do. Usually I give the higher grade, and you give the slightly lower grade. Well, these were both in my wheelhouses... That's true. I like, you know, Quantum Leap, <laughs> Twilight Zone, Hitchcock movies, and then I also like Haunted House movies, which... You are big on haunted or ghosty movies. Yes. I haven't seen Casper. Maybe one day we'll see Casper. That's not a... 
<laughs> no. It's not a haunted ghosty movie. He's a friendly you're ghost. You're talking about with Christina Ricci, that Casper, and Bill, Bill Pullman? Sure. Okay. I just know that Casper's a friendly ghost. Yeah, but he's not a scary ghost. He's a friendly ghost. He's played by Devon Sawa. Devon Sawa? Devon? Devon. <laughs> that's the... He's played by Devon Sawa. <laughs> that's the, um, what was Urkel, Steve Urkel's... Stefan. Stefan. <laughs> His alter ego. Stefan. Devon Sawa. He was played by Devon Sawa. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing with Insidious. Insidious. Patrick Wilson, love him as an actor, but in this movie, he was kind of like the big a-hole. Like, number one, he had a past, a very, very weird and kooky past where he would flee from anyone taking his picture. (laughs) Yeah. He hated to have his picture. When when his, okay, basically (laughs) his wife and his mother get together in one scene and his mother says oh you actually got a picture of what's his name patrick wilson (laughs) you got a picture of patrick wilson (laughs) because i'm surprised that he stood still long enough for one and i was like does he have adhd did we not know this no i imagine them at like sears like they're the whole family (laughs) is about to get their portrait done and he like looks at the camera he's like like, ditches it dust I really did think of ADHD or something like it. And I was like, he doesn't seem like he has ADHD. Why would he say, she say that about him? Honey, I got your glamour shots <laughs> for you. Patrick Wilson. I hate glamour shots. <laughs> I hate it. So the reason he doesn't like getting his picture taken is because he's been, uh, been ghosted, been being followed by the weird ghost that I think is really scary. Since he was a little kid. Yeah, the woman who looks like she's at an Edwardian funeral with gray hair. And so we're led to believe, we're like, so did he just wipe this from his memory? What? Did he just not talk about this at all with his wife? Or forget? This is something that you think would... uh... Be very, very important. But I don't think that he selectively forgot. I think it's just something that happened to him. And that he pushed out of his memory. So... Not even when it, like, the same exact thing started happening to his son. He wasn't like, ding, 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 this rings a bell No, but it wasn't the same exact things that were happening to his son. His son didn't have photographs with strange ghosts around him in the background. That he's a parent didn't go, oh, what's that doing in there? Like his mother should have done when he she saw pictures of him. But if he was still evading photos he obviously knew something was up well, wait let's talk about that for a second because that was one of my favorite reveals was when um what's her face who plays the mom the mom is like i have a treasure trove of photos <laughs> that i haven't showed you here is you know here's patrick wilson at age you know when he was a baby and like the ghost is like really far away really far away and like totally blurry where you're like it might just be a smudge on the lens and so she keeps going through the photos and the, <laughs> the ghost just gets closer and closer <laughs> and I mean, it's totally comical, you guys. And at one point, like, the woman's hand is, like, actually reaching out. Sorry, for young... I just poked Justin in the face. With young, uh, reaching out to young Patrick Wilson's throat. And I was like, seriously? It took you that long to be like, something's not quite right. <laughs> and in every photo, the kid's not doing normal the, things. I, I think like, the, ghost, like, the ghost just wanted to be in some pictures, man. Like, <laughs> maybe... It was a she, right? It was like a creepy old woman yeah. ghost. She just felt, you know, left left out. Hello? (laughs) 
Include me. The photobombing ghost. <laughs> like, there's like a, a, a soccer, it's, it, Patrick Wilson is a soccer team with his little kid, and like the ghost is like one of the managers, like. No, do you know what this ghost was like? The ghost is like when you're at Six Flags Ma- Magic Mountain and you're taking a picture with your friends and some douchebag in the background pops in the, in the picture just as it's being taken to be like, huh! like a jack-in-the-box in the background. Damn it, photobombing grandma ghosts. You're always following me around in my pictures. Now I can't even have pictures made. Right, it's kind of like that, and that's what that was all about. But I was really disappointed in Patrick Wilson's mother for not being like, something is wrong with my son. I should probably do something about this. Let me ask this. There was, a, there was a big contention between the couple about how long he was staying at work grading papers, where we show him, he's not grading papers, he's falling asleep at work. Why does he just say, you know what, I've been falling asleep at work. Well, no, we were only shown that he was he fell asleep once. Is it just because they wanted to, to cast doubt that he was, like, cheating with his really sad, sad wife who's like sitting at home. My, my husband's not coming home from work. I'm still writing these really sad, sad songs. Baby's about to cry upstairs. I don't want to get her because there's Shit. a scary ghost in her closet. Shut up, baby. <laughs> yeah, if, if you have ghosts that's already terrorizing one of your three kids, send the other kids to the creepy grandmother's. And that's the other thing. Once they all started seancing out and they had, you know, the wife and uh, Patrick and then they had the mother there too. And the, I was like, where the, are the kids? The baby had a, like a gas mask too so the baby could <laughs> no. hear the, the ghost stenographer. I felt so sorry for whoever, whomever they cast in the role of the baby because I was like, they made her cry all the time. That's so sad. They stressed out a baby for the sake of a movie. Well... Baby had the ghost all everywhere and mom not playing any happy no, songs. No, I'm talking about, like, the, the, the actress who played the baby. Yeah. The baby actress. <laughs> They're really acting at that age. So, what did you think at the end of Insidious? All right. The big reveal that, hey, this Dad's same sort of thing happened to Dad, and now Dad has to... Basically, what they say is that they're, like... This isn't the word they use, but they're dream travelers. And, like, when they're dreaming, they're not actually dreaming. They, like, their spirit... Astral projection. Yeah, astral projectionists. They, like, leave their body and go places and do things and whatever. That sounds like fun. Yeah. But apparently the kid made friends. They never use the word hell. Never. Which is interesting. They call it the other. Like, the... Some sort of... The further. Or the further. Excuse me. You're right. The further. And I'm like, the further, you mean hell? Because that's basically what's implied. And he befriends somebody there. It's not that they kidnap him, but he gets lost and then he can't find his way home. And the longer his spirit is gone from his physical body, the more the easier it is for other ghosts to, like, get in his body. And then he becomes a peapod person being controlled by a bad spirit. There you go. Synopsis. Yeah. So Patrick has to basically be hypnotized. And he has to go into the further, or his spirit does, not his physical body, uh, to go find his son and bring him back. But this is what, and this pissed me off. The seance woman tells him, make yourself inconspicuous because if the other ghosts sense that you're not one of them, Uh they're going to try to, like, attack your physical body so they can take it over. So what was he supposed to do? Was he supposed to go around going, (laughs) 
He was supposed to be inconspicuous. He was supposed to go and like like be, whistle. No, or... <laughs> like that one family. No, he was supposed to be. In, this is what you do. You he go. The, he was in the darkness. He couldn't see. He had the little lantern. Ghost lantern. He did. You go. You try to be low key. You look at what they do. And then you try to emulate what they do until you find their son. You don't walk around shining the stupid lantern in the ghost's faces and being like, Have you seen my son? That's the thing. Everyone had like a really scary face. They're all like... Like, post smiles. And then he runs up into, you know, crazy photobombing grandma ghost who scares me again. Yeah. And then that happens at the end and you're like... Well, the ending is the best Is part. it open-ended? Is there going to be a sequel, I assume? I, I don't know. I don't know, because it was kind of open and shut as to you saw the picture. Uh, basically, what ends up happening in the in the very end is he saves the son. Um, the ghosts are, you know, within inches of reaching his physical bond in the living room, and his wife is screaming in his ear, even though he's hypnotized and asleep, to come back, come back, come back, because... Pretty much what all one of the ghosts, and they look more like zombies at this point, has to do is touch you, and, and, and apparently that means that, You didn't like, have to spell it out. I was just saying, asking in particular, do you think it was open-ended? Do you think that... It was well, I'm spelling it out so we can talk about that. I, I, and then the old lady, I guess, we, we don't know at the time, but she takes over Patrick's body, and we don't know this until uh, a picture gets taken and he freaks out and strangles somebody and then you see the picture. And so that's like, what happens. You know, he's like, I haven't had a picture taken for <laughs> in 20 years. He's like, ah! Right, he freaks out. Yeah, pretty much. And um, I, I wanted to flash to like the, the mom like next door. She's on the piano. She's like, Still doesn't like his picture taken. No, but she figures it out towards the end because she picks up the picture. Yeah, that was scary. That was scary. And then all of a sudden it cuts to that crazy insidious logo with the crazy music. Yeah. That was scary. That ending was scary. Yeah, I was like, yes. Actually, I feel like this movie played a lot on on my own childhood fears that I had. I had a fear of red. Like, red, I called it the red dot or the red sauce, you know, infrared lights. Like, I had a... The red sauce? Yeah. Like, burrito sauce? (laughs) (laughs) No. It was born in the sauce. No, we had um, infrared uh, alarm system. Home alarm systems really scared me too as a kid because infrared they were so sauce? loud. No, like the little dot, the infrared dot, it's motion detector. Shut up, Justin. And when it sees you, it, it I call it the eye, and the eye lights up, and, and you kind of freeze because you're like, it's watching me, it's watching me. What does this have to do with sauce? Well, I had apparently a nightmare when I was three where I was shaking and convulsing, and my mom was trying to get me to tell her what. I jumped up and I couldn't get the words out. I just kept saying the red sauce. And that's what I meant. I meant the alarm, motion detector, infrared light, but I kept calling it the red sauce. And she had no she idea. Said, Did we take you to Taco Bell? I don't no, she, she was like, the red sauce. And she laughed at me because she thought, like, she goes, I thought you were being raped or killed in your dream. And, like, that's what, because you were that level of upset. And when you told me the red sauce, I thought it was hilarious. And I was like, it wasn't funny. I was really scared. For years, I couldn't walk by the infrared light. I was really scared. So to see this, and then the, and then the alarm went off in that movie twice. The alarm goes off. There's these red devil faces everywhere, and I'm like, this is playing on every childhood fear I ever had. Yeah, the alarm system was very sinister. It was like, <laughs> I'm like, whoa. That would not. That would be not. 
that would not be my choice for alarm systems. Well, that's what they're like. That's what mine was like as a kid. And it's really loud, too. They have a speaker in my bedroom. Yeah. Good job, parents. Thanks for that. Mad now. I'm getting molested by some red sauce. Marinara? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you think happened at the end of Source Code? Spoiler warning. Everyone wants to know. I think he died. Okay, well, you have to clarify <laughs> what that means, because there's two, you know, at the end of the movie we find oh, out that he's, true. you know, in this, like, iron long, or half of him is in this, like, iron long type thing, and he's, it's his... He's been injured. It's his... His face? His, his countenance? His, his brain is being used in the source, his, you know... They're using his brain for source code purposes, but he's essentially a vegetable otherwise. Yes. So this this person that has been quantum leaping, you know, is already dead, but his, you know... They're basically two dead people source coding between each other. That's the other thing. Like, since when does it have to... I would think that they would just use a real-life person and, like, put that person up to the dead person and source code them that way. Why does that have to be two dead people source coding? That's the thing. I don't know the rules to source coding. <laughs> What did they tell us? Every time I thought I knew the rules, they change it. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's what uh, what I was talking about. That they were like, okay, the rules are you can't go past the eight minutes. Like no matter what happens, whether you you know it, it keeps exploding, you're on the train, or you walk outside the train and then you like fall back on the tracks. <laughs> where I was like, this is like a Benny, he's like Benny Hill theme music, you know. <laughs> he gets away from the train, but he, he falls back onto the tracks. Right. Um, he, you know, a couple times he survives past eight minutes. And so I'm like, well, there you go. So you set up the rules and now you're totally breaking them. I don't even know what you're doing to me, source code. Yeah. So what I assume happened was... What they they thought that they were just he was like you know time traveling back for these eight minutes, but what actually was happening was it was setting up a different parallel reality like each time. every single time, and that's why you know the time change, like what Michelle Monaghan's character did within the parallel realities changed, you know. That's, and that's true. And then I just assumed that. Weirdly, even though they said that he couldn't survive past eight minutes, the f- the freeze frame thing happens at the end, and he just keeps on going in that parallel reality. But then because that he sent the- because he sent the text message to Vera from Asia to that you know. But how it, does it, that become like the reality reality? That's what she gets the text message in the reality reality. So it proves the. That it works. It right. just didn't work what how they thought. So, source code... <coughs> Sorry. It, it closed the loop. I don't know. The whole parallel reality thing, I was like, whoa, this is really getting out there. I know. It was really fascinating and intriguing. It just didn't make sense about how, okay, if, he, if it does turn out that it is a parallel reality, and he is able to alter circumstances of what already transpired here on, you know, for lack of a better term, the real Earth, how is it that that... He was able to email her and then do that because he's living in a parallel universe, so shouldn't he have been emailing a parallel Vera Farmesia? He had to cross a perpendicular line to do that. Well. Yeah. 
it was all for the the main reality. Like the whole reason they did the source code is because they wanted to see, they wanted to prevent future bombings from the same guy. Like they, right. they they're like, you're never going to save these people in the train. Exactly. Like whatever you do, they're dead. And it ended up being that he could save them in this par- parallel reality. But in like, even though he succeeded in that reality, they were still dead in the same reality. Not only was he dead, Vera Farmesia, you know, pulls the plug on him in the, like, the main reality. Yeah, but then the very next day, like, they wake up and it's the whole day over again, like Groundhog Day, and the passengers are fine. That's never really explained. No, but they're never fine. That's what I'm saying. No, but they are fine. In the very end, they're fine. They congratulate each other on source code and what a great thing that they've invented and how they're going to... Wait, no, that's the other reality. They, uh, they're like, oh, um, one day we're going to wait for a real case to come by so we can use the source code. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it's never happened in, in, in the regular reality. Yeah, like somehow he alters the regular reality. Yeah, he so closed the it, loop. it's no longer parallel anymore. He closed the loop. Yeah, he made a perpendicular... Yeah, I, I just didn't know. I, I was like, and even though the guy who he quantum left into his body, with the parallel reality where Jake Gyllenhaal actually survived and he went out and like on a date with Michelle Monaghan, I was like, what about the guy? What about the teacher? You just booted him out of his body, you know? Yeah, that sucks for Sean Fentress. He's the only one who didn't get to survive in the new reality. <laughs> Sorry, Sean Fentress. Teacher. Yeah, so, I don't know. That's all we know about him, too, is he was a teacher. I, I kind of felt the last, that last coda where he, you know, he's, his, the, eighth, whatever time that he tries it, it actually works, and he just keeps on living in that reality as Sean Fentress. Yeah. It was kind of, like, weird. It was a little weird, because, again, if these are parallel realities that he is, in fact, creating... How does it affect the original reality at all? It shouldn't really be able to. It should continue on in its own infinite, you know, microcosm. Ta-da! Did you notice, by the way, that um, the, his dad, the voice of his dad, who's not seen on screen, but he talks to him on the phone at the end, you know who played his dad? Who? Scott Bakula of Quantum Leap. Oh. Whoa! Did you just have your mind blown? Oh, I thought you had your mind blown. I, again, I never watched Quantum Leap, so that means nothing to me. Yeah? Nope. I kind of wanted it, uh, this is me being the, like, the romantic, I wanted it to end with the, the reality where he's like, um, he, he goes to the comedian, he's like, here, I'll give you some money, just tell some jokes. So he's like, okay, whatever reality this is, I want these people to be, like, laughing you know? I thought for sure that was going to be the ending. And then, and, and and then, then he freeze frame, her. freeze frame. I'm like, oh, that's a great ending. But it keeps I agree. Okay. It almost shouldn't have kept going after that. Although I, it, it was a satisfying second ending. I like that first one better. And there we go. So you like the, the the him surviving in the last reality? I mean, I liked it. I just preferred the one that you just mentioned about where he's in the freeze frame of the kiss and everyone's laughing and happy. Okay, that makes sense. Especially because everything leads up to that. You know, the whole movie, he keeps asking, like, what would you do if you only had one more minute to live? What would you do? You've been source-coded. What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? 
Wow. You were a child of Nickelodeon. Don't act like you weren't. All right, we have to say goodbye before this turns into an hour. <laughs> okay. Source code. Source code! I just source coded myself back into the middle of the podcast. <laughs> to interject. So, awesome. find us on Twitter, Justin Winters or Chris, K-R-I-S Winters. And we will see you next week, I guess. Yeah. We appreciate your comments and we love you guys. Bye-bye.